I'm blessed. We had a great uh, minister's meeting down in uh, Laredo for Army, and, uh, and it was a blessing. It's the first one that I've been able to hold down there that far south in my region, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, so really blessed, thankful. Everyone is preparing, amen, amen. for everything that's to come. You were born for such a time as this. Amen? Amen. You're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. God knew who you were going to be, when you were going to be born, where you were going to be born. Now here, my job, raise you up for the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for your power, your victory, your might, working in this place, in the hearts and minds of your children, and in those of everyone who hears this message at any time, in any place in the future. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, What do you think about when I say that? I mean, I was telling I was telling them yesterday down there that uh, oh, we had a bunch of folks that are heading off for missions from Karis Bible College, and uh, Don McAtee was there. You all know him from here, and there's some others that are leaving, and the the director of Karis Bible College from Austin was there, and and we had we had a great time. But uh, uh, four of my area advocates that I've put in place out of the five were there, and their spouses, or one of them single. But nevertheless, it was a great meeting. We had, uh, I don't know how many ministers were there, but uh, one of them was telling me um, that her husband, I said, I don't think I've met him, introduced me and said, he, he's, he's not in the ministry, but he helps, he helps everybody, helps me, he helps everybody in the, in the school, he fixes their cars, he, he earns a living. I said, what do you mean he's not in the ministry? Right. I said, yes, he is. He is in ministry. He's in the mission field, you see? You don't have to go out of the country to be in the mission field. The field is the world, you see. You're all in the mission field. You're all in a ministry of some kind. If you, if, you don't leave, if you don't try to leave Jesus at church when you leave here, you know. Some people have that mentality, and I don't think anybody here does. But we're supposed to live it. We're supposed to live it. That's who we are. When we're not living as Christ in us, the hope of glory, then we're offering no hope to a sick and dying world. Amen. And what we're doing is we're acting like chameleons. We're blending in with the world. When you go out there and act like your old self, that's when you're a hypocrite. Not when you try to live the righteousness of God, because that's who you are now. I was talking last week about keeping ourselves in position to see, receive all of God's best for us. And I said, I'll just keep talking about that until we see him. So it's not a series. It's just we never finish. We just stop and start again. Amen. Last week, just to remind you, I... I we, we did that Lord's Prayer together, and I focused in on one phrase, remember? Mm -hmm. Thy will be done, we pray. Jesus taught us that's how to pray. And not the Lord's Prayer, that was a model prayer. Ask, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay, like this. But we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So I asked the question, well, is that... 
Four questions. Is it possible for God's will to be done in us and through us now? And the answer was yes. Yeah, that's right. I asked... I asked, is his will good? The answer is yes. I asked if, if we have even, do we even consider really what his will is? And that one, I didn't ask for a, a yes or no. I just wanted you to think about it. Because maybe you do sometimes, maybe not other times, maybe you're not, all of us probably don't always. Although I like to think I try to, but I'm sure I fail <laughs> a lot of times. And then the last one was, what is his will, right? And we answered all those through scripture. It was good, remember? S-K-O-O-D, it's good. <laughs> his will is good. <laughs> possible to know his will matter of fact that's why we were born to know God the Father and his son Jesus Christ that's the definition of eternal life that Jesus gave us in John 17 3 <clears throat> and the more we know him the more we will know his will yeah because this, this Bible, this is this here's Jesus without feet and eyeballs, right? <laughs> Teach me your paths, David said. In Psalm 25, and you know it said God teaches him his path. Especially a particular type of person, one that walks in humility. Humility is something that is essential to the Christian life because we're called to a life of faith. And when you are in pride, you are not in faith. And when you are in pride, you are in opposition and God is in opposition to you. And so it's, a, it's an important topic it's not a, you know, well, you, you, you make, you're condemning me. No, it's to help you, to help us all. We got to remember what he brought us from only to keep us humble or to minister to others as the Holy Spirit would have us to draw upon those things, but not, not to live back there. Yesterday is dead and gone. And you can be dead and gone with it, or you can keep your eyes on that beautiful future and the day because this is the day the Lord has made. This is the only day we're guaranteed. And his will for us is good. He, he wants us to prosper. He wants to prosper us, not to harm us, give us hope and a future. A future. You know what that is? That hope creates that future. That's your positive imagination, your godly imagination. Not your worldly imagination, which can be used for all sorts of, you know, sin starts here between the ears. But so does hope. Yeah. As God gives you faith to believe and then to, just like that song he gave me on the evening of Thanksgiving 2009. My Lord Jesus paid the price for me. My Lord Jesus paid suffered on Calvary. My Lord Jesus saved me from sin and pain. Now my Lord Jesus is teaching me to dream. He had to teach me how to dream all over again. That's Christian hope. 
It gives our faith a target. Amen? Amen. And lastly, what is his will? Well, it's Jesus died and rose again so we could experience God's mercy and grace. Grace and truth came with Jesus, huh? Mercy is just not getting what we do deserve, which is death. (laughs) The grace is getting everything we don't deserve. The children's bread, eternal life, physical and emotional healing, and abundance in every area of our lives. Like I said last week, there's no prosperity. Gospel... But the gospel will cause you to prosper in every area of your life. Yes. And he sent us a helper, didn't he? The Holy Ghost. The third person of the Trinity, who Jesus was very defensive of. As we should be very respectful and mindful of him as well. Church is closing by the droves. Splitting by the droves. Never, never gave the Holy Spirit any credence, any acknowledgement. As if you have to invite him in. Some of the songs are even bad, you know, and they're wonderful songs. You don't have to invite him. It's his church. He's here. He may choose not to manifest himself if he does not feel like you have welcoming him, but he doesn't need an invitation. We need his help for him to consider this church. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So continuing on, in John 10.10, which is, Scripture we're going to always hear, always talk about, because they were always accusing Jesus of something demonic, weren't they? He set the record straight right there for all time. No, the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Quit blaming me for all the stuff the devil's doing. Why did they always blame God in the Old Testament? Because they didn't know who the devil was. And there wasn't anything they could do about him. What about Job? Well, God didn't sick the devil on Job. I don't have time to go into it. But for the probably around nine months that he was afflicted, and it was awful. God rewarded him double everything in the end. But that man was amazing. I can't wait to meet him. He was, prob- he was one of the wealthiest men in the world. Say you're a billionaire and God, and, 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 and God has blessed you in every way. And then all in one day you lose, you lose all of it. The billions that you had, and ten, I said ten children. Yeah. The only thing that wasn't taken from him was his wife, because she was already working for the devil. <laughs> Maybe on it unintentionally, but she was. Why don't you just curse God and die? (laughs) And he wouldn't. Through everything he went through, you know what he did? He fell down on his knees and he worshiped God. Who would do that in those circumstances? And he didn't even have a covenant with God like you do. He didn't have the Holy Spirit to remind him of everything that Jesus has said. And to lead him into all truth. So no wonder him and his, all his 
his free, three knucklehead friends, they got it all wrong, but no wonder he even got it wrong some. I like it when God said, okay, now let me talk. <laughs> Were you there when I created the heavens and the earth and told the, separated the skies and the waters and the sea? I was like, whoa. Forgot about that God part, you know. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That's what God wants for us. Abundance, life, abundant life, successful life, prosperous life. 3 John 2 says that's what he wants above all things. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. So the relationship with God has benefits, doesn't it? His mercy brings us into covenant and benefits of grace. And that comes with responsibility, doesn't it? Oh. You're getting back into the law. People need to get over that nonsense. <laughs> Our part is faith, which is a positive response to his grace. Easy way to remember it. Grace is rooted in our born-again spirits. All grace. All grace. Everything that Jesus paid for, which means he wiped out every aspect of the curse. When you read Deuteronomy 28 in the Old Covenant, and you read all about the blessings and the curses, don't just read the blessings that are, that are definitely yours in Christ. Read the curses too, because that way you know to be thankful for starters what you've been delivered from, and second of all, if it tries to come upon you, any of it. You know that it's a trick of the devil and you, you have the authority to rebuke it and run it off in the name of Jesus. Amen. And it gets pretty detailed. But take it serious. And watch and see what happens. I tell people if you if you not if people do not think you're a little wacky, then you're not really living by faith. <laughs> because the world says, Well, I hope so. Meaning when I see it, I believe it. And God says, if that's how you're gonna go about this, then you're not ever gonna be blessed. You're not ever gonna you're already blessed, but you're not gonna you're not gonna walk in it. You're not going to see the manifestation of the things you say you're believing for because you're not believing, you're waiting to see. That's right. And we know it's a kingdom of opposites. Yes. Believe you have what you pray for when you pray and you shall have it, Mark eleven twenty four. <laughs> All the grace of God. All the blessings, the benefits, the prosperity, eternal life, healing, wholeness, deliverance, peace, love. All in our born again spirit rooted in there. And faith is what causes it to bear fruit. Into this realm. It's good. S K O O D. It's good.
You have keys to the kingdom. You know this. If you didn't, if you've been here a while, you know it now. Because I talk about it all the time. Yep. Your dad, your father in heaven, actually let you have the keys. <laughs> Borrow that car anytime you want. Just be a good steward. Not really for a car, for anything. His keys are for the kingdom. Spiritual. You got that when you're born again. New life. You're a new creation in Christ. The old man is dead. Not fixed up, patched up, sent back on his way. Dead. Died with Christ right there on the cross. You were still in seed form in him, spiritually speaking. Just as you were in seed form in the natural in Adam when he sinned. Mentally and emotionally. Keys. You unlock this by renewing your mind. Through the washing of the water of this word. Romans 12 2. Paul begged us to do this. He said it's our reasonable sacrifice. Based on everything God has done for us. And he's right. <clears throat> Renew your mind. Result in the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't say you don't have any of those things. You have it all. I'm explaining what I understand what you're saying when you say you don't. Well, can I just tell you, you're carnal if you're saying that. And you're supposed to, those who walk after the Spirit of God are the children of God. Hmm? It doesn't mean that when you get into the flesh or if your mind hasn't been renewed or you're still a baby Christian that you're not a child of God. It just means that you are. You are in the Spirit. But you can choose to walk after the Spirit. Mm -hmm. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Your eternal address is different. You are different. God's not just going to turn his back on you. Like I said, well, a kid's supposed to walk when he's around 12 months old. And your friends say, well, still not walking, but how long are you going to give them? Forever. I'm not giving up on my kid. Same with God. But you want to please God, walk after the Spirit. Walk in faith. Self-centeredness is the root of all kinds of grief in your life. We all struggle with it. But God wants you to grow up and mature past that to where you can help him now to be a kingdom builder. And honestly, that is the part that helps you get past this part. Because your real joy and peace and happiness are found in serving others. You were born again to be a servant, but not, a, not, a, not an employee, a son servant, a child of God who chooses to serve in the capacity of, of I'm a prince, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm the son of the king, what can I do 
to help you. I have all the, the keys to the kingdom. I have everything you need. What can I do for you? You know why you don't do that? Because that sounds wonderful to everybody sitting here. I know it does. That sounds amazing because you don't believe. On some level you do, others you don't. We don't need more faith, we need less unbelief. Yes. We need to walk in the identity of who we truly are in Christ. When you are Christ, you're not the one that's going to come riding back on the the horse leading the armies of heaven. That's who that song is talking about, by the way. The Lord of heaven's armies. That's Jesus. That's why when he stood there at Jericho before they attacked and he said, I'm the, I'm the head of the armies of, the, of God. And he fell down before him. He didn't tell him to stand up. That's why That was Jesus pre-incarnate. If it was an angel, he'd have told him, get up, don't, don't worship me. <coughs> Conquering king. Mm -hmm. Physical healing is one of the keys. Man. We're going to tap into, we're going to tap into these gifts. We're going to tap into these things, and we're going to do it this year. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. you're going to see greater manifestations. You know, when Andrew Womack went to, uh, who's the one that has the university in Tulsa passed on? Oral Roberts. Roberts. Before he passed, you know, they were all wanting to go see him and get his blessing and a word, you know. Andrew Womack was there. He was, he said, what do you want? And he said, uh, I want a greater anointing, you know, of the, of the of power, a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. He said, I can't do it. It won't work. Said, Why not? Because you're a pastor. He said, no, I'm not. He said, he's not. He had been, but he's not. He has a different type of ministry. He goes, oh, okay, then I'll pray for you. What did he mean by that? Why, why would he say that? He was sincere. Why? And, and it was his experience that caused him to tell Andrew that. Why? Acts 10... Was it 10, 1028? <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were sick, all who were oppressed of the devil, right? Yes. That's his will. That's the Father's will. He said, I only do what I see my fathers do. He healed everybody that came to him. When he, except when he went to his hometown, he was... He was devastated. He could not do many mighty works there. It didn't say he would not. He wanted to. The reason he was upset is because he could not. I'm telling you, we have a part to play. It's a relationship. Familiarity breeds contempt. That's what Oral was telling Andrew. And that's what happened in his own hometown. They were blessed at first. Oh, wow, this is amazing. This guy speaks with authority. He, wow, this is awesome. He, feel, he, he healed a few sick people. And then they started going, wait, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother and his sisters and his brothers with us? They got upset with him. They got offended. And he left. <laughs> He went where he was celebrated, not tolerated. Yeah. 
But it doesn't have to be like that. I'm convinced it doesn't have to be like that. It's not going to be like that. The power of God is going to move in this place. People are healed just by watching these messages. Everybody that walks in here should not leave sick. Amen. Relationships. Do you forgive everybody? Me too. I hope. I should try. I choose to. It's not a feeling. Remember that. It'll help you in the future. Agreeing with God is not always going to be a feeling. There are some things that will never make you warm and fuzzy about people. There will be people probably this week. Lord, in my in the natural, I, I, I do not love that person. I, they're not lovable. I do not like them. But I choose in me. My father is love. I was created in his image. In me, the fruit of the spirit, an abiding fruit of the spirit rooted in me is love. And I choose to love this person. With the love of God. And watch. And a, a compassion will come over you for that person. And you'll be able to see them as someone that is deceived. Someone that is. Don't make excuses for them. I don't care where they come from. God knew where they were going to be born. When they were going to be born. All that stuff. Oh, it was just a product of their environment. If they, if they just take them out of the ghetto and move them. Next door to Donald Trump, they'll, they'll change overnight. It's not true. But you can love that person. That doesn't mean you have to invite them to dinner or over to your house and be their best friend. You, people tell me, oh, I got, I got, I got 1,200 friends. No, you don't. Yeah. Nobody has time to have that many friends and not be a good friend. <laughs> You're lucky if you have a friend, a real friend or two. Family, relationship, marriage. You know, a prosperous marriage, you know, we talk about marriage like a triangle. Here's God at the top, and here you start down here at the corners. And as you get closer to God, then you get closer to each other. You see on a triangle, you know, the less, less of a gap. And that's true. And it's beautiful. But here's your triangle. Here's one party. Here's the other party. Here's what happens. <laughs> Is this still good, though? Better than this? Darn right. Does it hurt a lot for this person? Yeah, a lot. A lot. But there's grace for that. There is grace for that. There's grace for everything. There's grace for the one with all the excuses. There's grace while they're waiting for the, the children to grow up. They don't have time to invest in the marriage, you see. No, there's grace for right now while the children are small. If they will seek God. Oh, I just, I can't give any attention. I, 
I gotta lose this weight. Now there's grace while you're losing the weight. There's grace for that, for whatever. The problem is, there's grace for today. You see? It's not, yeah, God told me he's going he's to get this all fixed up as soon as I get, get everything just right. You see? No, 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 no. There's grace every step of the way. As soon as I get this stress out of my life from work or from this annoying neighbor, whatever it is, no. Grace for today. Seek God. And then I think that's about four or five different keys I mentioned just just to stop. But financial keys to the kingdom, don't we? Let me tell you. Remember how I tell you it's not a prosperity gospel, but there's prosperity in the gospel. It'll cause you to prosper. If, if those, other, those other keys that I men- mentioned, what I talk about, spiritual, we've got to get born again first, John 3, 3. Without being born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. So you've got to do that. Then start renewing your mind through the washing of the water. The word mental, emotional, you know, I can cast a demon out of you, or, or you can, this, this word will, will deliver you over time if you apply it. I know people who have memorized almost the Bible just so they could argue down people like me. And not one word of it has gotten in. It's here. But if you do that, you get born again. You get the mental and emotional stuff squared away. You, 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 you get your physical healing. You, you, you get your relationships in order with the help of the Lord Jesus. You get your family, your marriage in order. Guess what you're going to position yourself to do? To prosper financially. Getting all those other things in order like the Lord wants, like he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. That's not all about money. It's about every area of your life, your well-being, your total person. And that awesome person that he created you to be will just prosper. You'll be a money magnet. And you'll be a good steward. And you'll be a kingdom builder. Which is what he wants and needs. And what you need. Whether you know it or not. Because that's where your peace, your joy, your happiness is going to come from. You're perfect in your born again spirit. You know that? Perfect. Sealed, incorruptible. <laughs> Thankfully, he sealed that up after he fixed it, renewed it, so we wouldn't screw it up again. One third of our salvation is over, right? So let Jesus live and rule and reign in and, and through you now. Live from that spirit man, which is always going to be in agreement with this word in case you, in case you wonder, is this me or the flesh, Lord? Well, uh, what's my word say? Holy Spirit will remind you. That's why you need to put it in so you can be reminded of what, it, what you read. <laughs> Hello? On earth as it is in heaven. Live out of the Spirit. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was telling Timothy, he's saying the Word of God has to be first in your life, this young pastor. He has to be the anchor of your life. It has to set the tone for the integrity of your ministry and your life. 
then utilize the gifts of the Spirit to confirm the Word. But it's about the Word. This is what has the power to save. The gifts of the Spirit don't have the power to save. They have the power to heal. They have the power to give you a word of knowledge. They have the power to work miracles and signs. Wonderful. We love all nine of them and we want them flowing in here. And praise God, they will. But God gives the gifts of the Spirit to confirm His word is true. And because He loves you. You might be a baby Christian, just got saved, got stage four cancer. You don't know what any of this means. You might be in a Baptist church somewhere. Where or a, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have named anybody in particular. But you could be in some denominational settings where, you know, they, they don't believe in healing. They only believe that, uh, you know, homosexual marriage is good. In that church, you're not going to hear the truth that you need. You're not going to be discipled. And especially in that condition that you're in quick enough so God loves you and he has mercy and here he is. He's got, he's got people in the body of Christ that can walk in and heal you on the spot. I always tell people, I don't care where you're at, what kind of situation, what negative doctrine you're sitting under. If you begin to seek God with your whole heart, he'll get you out of there. He'll get the truth to you. He will help you. Amen. I've seen him do it too many times. But church has to be about this word. Not music. Not a building. Not coffee. Man, I wish I had some coffee. <laughs> Ended that 21 day fast yesterday that amazing lunch. Oh man, you should have seen the little spread they put out for us. Uh, fajitas and all kind of beef and chicken fajitas and oh man, everything. I ate two big plates. No wonder I had to stop at a truck stop and sleep for 30 minutes in my truck. But I started back on this morning, so coffee's good. S-K-O-O-D. I'm starting to learn that coffee actually has flavor. There's different, different coffees. I, I never knew that because I covered it all up with all the crud I put on top of it. <laughs> I like that Texas pecan. That's pretty good. I mean, if you're not going to put anything in it, it's pretty good. I, said, yeah. I don't know why. I I'm just, I must have been reading a book in the Bible that tells me I'm supposed to make the coffee, Hebrews. <laughs> the word isn't always as exciting as the gifts. Did I tell y'all that Russell's coming? Russell Lorfing? He's coming, and every time I. He's coming to. Third Sunday in February. Not the end of February. I think there's another Sunday actually in February beyond that. So I was on the phone with him a couple days ago and he's like told me when it was and I couldn't type it in. Remind me to remind you for sure. But he's excited to come. He just, he just wants to come and he's got some things to do while he's down here. <laughs> You know, I told him yesterday, because the gifts are awesome. We want to walk in that power. I told you, I've been, the Lord has been telling me for 16 years I've been ministering it. So don't think it's just I only want the word because we are word people and we are spirit, spirit people. We're going to use it both. Because God showed me initially 
when he called me that the end times bride is not anything what it looked like at the time. And I said, well, then you'll have to teach me. He said, okay, all that you've heard before. But he said, the end times bride is going to be walking in power and love and victory adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit. And it's going to be necessary. People are finally starting this to go, yeah, I think he's right. After 16 years of me shouting this from the rooftops. Because there's such deception at work in the world. It's going to come to a place where, just like Moses in Pharaoh's court, you throw down your rod, I'll throw down mine, and we'll see who belongs to the Lord God Almighty. And I had my, I was wearing my, my hat yesterday, my cowboy hat, and somebody said, I, I was going to go up and talk in just a minute, you know. And somebody told me before we started, they said, oh, did you, did you, did you uh, wear your cowboy hat because we're down here in Laredo? And I was like, no. I can't believe you're surprised to see me with a hat on. I'm surprised anybody hadn't seen me with a hat on. <laughs> I, always, <laughs> I dress like that half the time. But, I, but it made me think of something. So I got up and I started telling them. I said, you know what the problem is? Why it's so important what we teach, what Andrew teaches, what Army is representing, what we are doing. Because my, my stepdad had a, a saying when I was a kid, because we always had cattle, you know. I still do have cattle and farmland and all that. Not that I'm a rodeo guy, you know. I'm on the rodeo committee, but I, I'm a contest supervisor for the barbecue. <laughs> I ain't roping nothing. But my dad, he, my stepdad, he would say, oh, that guy's all hat and no cattle. Yeah. <laughs> Ever heard that? Yeah. I told him, that's the problem with the church today. You got a lot of posers <laughs> out there. And listen, this is no time and I'm saying this in all love to anybody and everybody. Listen to this message. This is not the time in world history for people to be choosing to be pastors and ministers as a career choice. It better be a calling from God because without the anointing of God, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Don't do it. Because you're, not only will you be hurting yourself and your family, but you'll be hurting those who you're attempting to minister to. And what will happen is you're like the, you'll be like the politicians that go to Washington and have all great intentions to set the world aright. And they get in there and they succumb to the fear of man almost immediately. And you'll water down your message and you'll refuse to say what God says because it depends on who's there and how much they give and so forth and so on. And then you might as well just close your church and have it, you know, on a Zoom meeting like so many thousands have. But that's not God's will. You all with me? Yes. <laughs> in the 1930s, see, they, this used to be important <clears throat> for so long. I mean, I mean, the church has gone through some bad stuff. Europe, Europe is still screwed up over the Dark Ages when the church did so much terrible stuff. But. A hundred years ago when power came, when people, when, 
when Azusa Street and all that happened and, and, and the Holy Ghost people found out that there is real power and victory in, in Christ. <clears throat> and all the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And all these wonderful things started happening. People took it serious. In the 1930s in East Texas, Kenneth Hagin, he was from Texas. Y'all know who I'm talking about when I talk about Kenneth Hagin and people like that a lot? I don't know if he studied like any of the old guys, but he, he's passed on. But he was a great man of God. Mark 11, 20, 24, I, 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 I always talk about that Jesus said, Believe you have what you pray for when you pray and you shall have it. The, the body of Christ affectionately and jokingly says that's, those, those are the scriptures that Kenneth Hagin wrote. Because he used them so often. Because God showed him those things. He spent a lot of time with Jesus in person. <coughs> he told a story <coughs> about the 1930s in East Texas. He had a testimony he told, and it's a true story, because there are hundreds of people who witnessed it. There was a pastor named Dad Smith. And uh, this is just before World War II, and, and, and they'd have these revival meetings, you know, and, and you know, people would come to town to, to minister, and they didn't just come for three hours like I drove to Laredo and back for. They, they came, and they stayed until they decided the Holy Spirit it was called, it, it called it good, you know. Or at least it'd be several days, a week, whatever. Nevertheless, anyway, Dad Smith, he liked to... He preached, and he was up on a podium, you know, a stage. And, and they had a pulpit up there, and he loved for his daughter to play piano while he preached. And he watched, he watched one time she began playing and as he was preaching, and he began to twirl, Dad Smith began to twirl, twirl around in circles and, and dance while he was preaching. And he twirled and twirled, and he twirled right off of the stage, floating in the air for several minutes. And then he went back. It's the kind of stuff that used to happen all the time. Because people came expecting that sort of thing to happen. Expecting wonderful things to happen. And because of that expectancy... The same reason that people that walk for two, three days to get to a camp meeting in Africa to stand out in the mud with 800,000 other people, that's the reason they blind eyes are open and they throw away their crutches and wheelchairs and things like that. They're like the woman with the issue of blood. They've exhausted all their resources. They have nothing else but God. So their expectations are up. Their hopes are high. You're supposed to get your hopes up. Don't listen to the world. It tells you don't get your hopes up because you might be disappointed. You need to discipline your disappointments, like I said last week. Put them into subjection to the mind of Christ. You are way more powerful than you think. Just need to tap into it, that's all. Right after World War II in the mid forties, there was there was uh, there were other there were a lot of ministers, see, and there's always been you see with in the church, just face it, you're 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 gonna have a lot of uh, granola Christians. Fruits, flakes, and nuts. <laughs> God doesn't call all the best. They don't think they need him, you see. He calls the rest of them. <laughs> but there was a guy named William Brannan. Walked in amazing gifts of the Spirit. He would give a word of knowledge. He'd call you out. He'd tell you your phone number, what street you lived on. Faith would rise up and get healed, you know. 
amazing gift. The reporters are always trying to make him seem like a fake, so they, one of them put on a full body cast, and he walked straight over to him, and he called him out, and he says, there's nothing wrong with you. You're, you're a reporter from such and such a place. And he says, shame on you. But he was a little weird. <laughs> He's a little weird. He didn't have this. He told people he was the spirit of Elijah. He told people he was John the Baptist. Came to come to announce the second coming of the Lord. People weren't allowed to listen to anyone else. Kenneth Hagin and others, they went to see him and they rebuked him. And they told him, if you don't change your ways, if you don't repent of this and get off, because he's off course, but God's going to take your ministry. He didn't listen to him. So the gifts, they drew the crowds, you see. And God used him to a degree, but, but only for a short time because he didn't base his life and ministry on the word of God like Paul told Timothy he had to. There's no root without it, you see. So the gifts alone can't create disciples, which is what we are supposed to do. Jack Coe had a great healing gift. He'd tear cancers off of people. You know, slap them and they'd be healed. You know, just all kind of things like that. But he was arrogant. He didn't have the word of God in him. He didn't know the word well. And he was arrogant about it because of the gifts that he walked in. God used him some. Kenneth Hagin and Gordon Lindsay went again. They tried to tell him to repent or he was going to die. But he died before they could get there. Kenneth Hagin though, and others, because they're not all granola Christians, so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right? They walked in great gifts of the Spirit, healings, signs, and wonders, but they taught the Word. They taught the Word of God, and they lived by the Word of God. They lived holy lives, and Kenneth Hagin ministered into his late 80s. Smith Wigglesworth was in England. But he was another great one who God used mightily. But he, he, it wasn't just the gifts. He, he saw people raised from the dead, all kinds of stuff like that. They say that when his wife passed away, he, he raised her from the dead. <laughs> and she said, Smith, don't, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> Brought her back from the dead. She said, quit it. <laughs> I'm going to be with Jesus. <laughs> Great man of God, Lester Summerall, you might have heard of. He went to visit Smith Wigglesworth at his home, and he had a newspaper rolled up under his sleeve, and he said, hey, you can come in, but that, that, that lying newspaper can't, it's got, it can't come inside, so he hid it in a bush over there. He said, I ain't going to throw away a perfectly good newspaper. And he hid it in the bush, but he couldn't take it in the house. He wouldn't let anything but the Word of God in his house. Hebrews 4.12 says, the, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, doesn't it? And in Matthew, the fourth chapter, remember when Jesus came in out of the desert after 40 days of fasting, after he had been baptized in the river Jordan. He was hungry. And that's when the devil comes, when you're weak and tired. And he tempted him. He tried, tried to tempt him. Three times, what did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written. So if I tell you Having, knowing exactly what Jesus did three times when the devil came at him three times. And you can look up the scriptures and the challenges that, that he tried him with. 
you can imagine after a 40-day fast when one was, one was turning stones into bread because he was hungry. The pride of life, everything, he chided him. But he answered, it is written. He gave him the word of God. So if I tell you, resist the devil and he will flee from you, does that mean go, go fighting the demonic spirits and paying all attention to the devil? No, not unless you want the devil to come and work in your life. You can cause some bad things doing that, seeing the devil on every doorknob and going and cleansing people's homes and all this nonsense. You walk in there, the devil's run, you see, if you know who you are. It is written. Stick to the word. Stick to the word. Psalm 107.20, it's the word of God that he sent and healed us. Isn't that what it said? He sent his word and healed us. I better finish. But Hebrews 4, remember a minister, I had a sermon not long ago. I talked about Hebrews Chapter 4, verse. No, I had chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Remember that? It was declared or spoken, the spoken word, at first by the Lord. This one didn't come through angels. It wasn't administered. It wasn't written down by and, 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 and given by Moses. This is God himself, the Lord himself, spoke this covenant to us, this salvation. He, he told it to us. His, he is the word. It was attested to us by those who heard. But look at this. But while God also bore witness by signs and wonders... And various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So we're word people and we're spirit people. Amen? Amen. Always keeping faith, hope, and love at the center of it all. Amen? Praise God. Amen. You know, there's one more scripture. Hebrews, and I want to leave this on your mind as you go, because I think I made the point of whatever it was that I was trying to, the Lord was trying to tell me he wanted to tell y'all at 2 o'clock in the morning last night after I was <laughs> terribly exhausted. I hope it, hope it all came together. <laughs> but I want you thinking about this. Because I'm thinking about coffee. So I'll go to Hebrews <laughs> again. Chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. You know the 12-step program in Hebrews. The, all the let us. Let us 12 times. Study that. It's wonderful. Way better 12-step program than anything you'll find in this world. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us, let us implies it's not something you can do on your own. It's something that has to be done as a body, has to be agreement, has to be a oneness, which is how the body of Christ is supposed to be. This is how the world will recognize that you are my disciples, Jesus said, your love one for another, talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I want this to be your goal, your mission. I want you to meditate on this and make it yours. Put it into practice. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, 
Verse 25, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that? The day of the Lord's return. Do you see it drawing near? Are you still buying green bananas? So let's, 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 let's practice that. How to provoke and incite each other to, to be our best. To be the best possible believers we can be. To love and, and do good. Not as a way to earn anything from God, but just because we're his children and we're supposed to be here representing him. So let's do it good. Let's do it well. Amen? Amen? Let's honor God and draw others to him by being a blessing to each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's good. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your love. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for helping us to be mindful of all these things, the word, putting it in and applying it to our lives and help us, Lord, every time we read about Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead, let us see ourselves doing the same thing until it is so common in our midst that people will come from the north, the south, the east and the west just to hear the word of God and to receive your healing and your blessings and to open blind eyes and to help the crippled walk and to heal all sorts of infirmities and to deliver people from all forms of evil spirits. We just thank you, Lord, that this is all available to us as well as all of the other wonderful things that you've given us to prosper us in every way. Help us to make them our own. They are ours in our born-again spirit. They are rooted. The grace of God is rooted in our spirits. Help us to walk by faith, Lord and cause it all to manifest in fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Somebody tell him thank you.